It's time for the Rundown with Rob Sanders. Well, we're waiting. Welcome into the Rundown, the Friday edition here on Fox Sports Radio 1400, around the world on the iHeartRadio app. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. As you get set up for the weekend, we're in the dog, dog days of summer right now. But I think starting next Thursday, you'll have football that you can watch from now until the Super Bowl. Then you can watch the XFL. Yeah, that's coming up next year, too, so... If you're into football, this is uh, the last real weekend that you will have off. Head to the beach. Listen to the Rundown podcast while you're down there. But football season is definitely right around the corner. We have stuff we're going to get into today, including my pick for the top five running backs. Yes, my top five running backs. We'll have that today. That should be interesting, too. We'll also get into other things today, including an interview that I did with uh, Jeff Collins at ACC kickoff. We'll get into that momentarily, as um, that's going to be Clemson's first opponent and getting an idea of what they're doing at uh, Georgia Tech with that new system. We also have an interview with Jalen Camp, who is going to be one of the wideouts for Georgia Tech this season. And we'll start with him because his role is completely changing. Going from a guy that, you know, his job was to get out there and basically block to now he's going to be a guy that they're depending on to catch passes Here's the interview we did at ACC kickoff with Georgia Tech wide receiver Jalen Camp. Jalen, welcome in. Appreciate you taking some time to hang out with the man. Just slide on up there. You got to get a little close. Get snug on that mic. There we there go. go. Yeah. All right. Well, Can you hear you. yourself all right, man? Yes, sir. Yes, there sir. we go. Thank you for joining us today here on the rundown, man. We really appreciate it. Uh, you know, going into uh, the season, though, we were talking uh, just a little bit ago about uh, the wide receivers at Georgia Tech and uh, your, your linebacker earlier, Jeff Collins, was talking about you guys. He's like, hey, man, the key to our success is our, our wide receivers catching passes. Right. I mean, that's that's important, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I think it, you know, coming in with this brand new offense, you know, we'll be, you know, asked to, you know, make more plays than we did last year. And uh, that's on us to kind of, you know, own up to that. Well, and on that front, though, I mean, blocking is always important. I mean, right. that's probably one the the best part of your game. Would you right. agree? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Coming from the triple option, you know, you you learn how to be a physical receiver. You learn how to block, and you know that never goes away, regardless of what offense you're in. So we can use those tools and those skills that we learned in that offense, you know, to help us, you know, in this one. Looking back on your time with Coach Paul Johnson, who we loved. I thought he was fantastic every time I had a chance to talk to him. I have no idea what he was like as a coach. May not have been great, but he seemed to be from the, from the outside like a great guy. Right. As a wide receiver, when you commit to that offense, what you had previously, right. what was it that made you commit then, and how, do you, how did you feel when you found out Coach Collins was bringing his 
fast tempo offense. You don't. You, two questions there really right. for you. Yeah, I committed there uh, just because of the you know two headed monster that it had. You know, uh, you got to play in the ATC against great opponents every week, and then of course you know the great institution of Georgia Tech. They kind of set you up for that. You know, forty years down the down the road, right? So those two decisions, right? The, those two factors helped me make my decision, and um, and the offense really didn't scare me away uh, once I signed my name because of you know the simple fact that they had receivers like Darren Waller and DeAndre Smelter who you know got through the offense and got to the NFL, so that didn't really scare me. But um, you know, with Coach Collins bringing in his new offense, him and Coach Pat note, um, you know, it's definitely an exciting time. For you know the receiving core, I say uh, I said that a lot today. Yeah, like how our receiving core is probably one of the most excited groups on the team uh, because of the simple fact that we'll be getting a lot more opportunities, and uh, it should be real fun. You open the season August 29th, Death Valley against the defending national champions. Uh, Mr. Curry told us he said it doesn't get much better than that opportunity. Would you buy right. and agree with that statement? Oh yes, sir, 100. Um, percent And with our backstory, just kind of just coming into this season, uh, brand new coach, brand new offense. We have a lot of things that we need to prove to ourselves as well as the college football. And, you know, Clemson game one is no better game to open that up to. Uh, your brother plays on the team with you as well, right? Yes, sir. Yes, He's sir. on the defensive line? Defensive tackle, yes, sir. So how is it having your brother on the team and then, <laughs> you know, and he plays yeah. defensive tackles through your unit trying to beat his unit? Right. Is that like yes, a sir. sibling rivalry there? And, and do yes, you room with your brother on campus? No, 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 no. He stays in the – because all the freshmen have to stay in the dorm. He's got a separate I'm a, place. I'm a okay. senior. I'll stay off campus. Okay. So. But it's definitely fun. Does um, he spend time with you off campus? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I try to go see him at his dorm every now and then, and then he comes over to my apartment. Yeah, we're still close. We're still brothers always. And uh, But, yeah, I think it's going to be fun. Um, You know, me as a receiver, I'm trying to stay away from D-tackles. I don't want to <laughs> go down there, so I'm I trying mean, to stay away from him. Would you, if, you, if, if you had a set where your brother kind of got out there, though, right. try to truck your brother? Uh, I'll have to shake him. So that's my thing. I, I mean, I, I want to try to truck my brother. I ain't gonna lie. Well, well, but, but so, so most of the time, but well, I'm sure his brother wants to truck him. Yeah, right, but, right. But, but most of the time, you know, families, physiques, body types are right. similar. Right. How do you end up with, with one son that's a wide receiver and right. another son that's a defensive lineman? I could not tell Healthy you. eating choices? <laughs> I, can, I couldn't tell you. I guess it's just his yeah. portion size. I guess his portion size just, <laughs> just took over mine because uh, we were eating the same food. Um, we were eating the same food. I mean, I would just be, you know, washing my plate off, and he will just be coming down for a second. So yeah. I think that kind of, you know, repetition of that right there took him from, you know, me 220 to him 290. The big old freshman at 290, 70 pounds, your brother yeah. brother outweighs But I just wondered how that, that the, the relationship with you guys was on the team and Especially than being on the other side of the ball, it's just interesting to me. So yes, sir. Yeah. Who whose jersey? Whose jersey's mama wearing to the games this year? Uh, she's wearing my jersey. Okay. She only has one more year to wear my jersey. Oh, okay. Okay. And she's going to wear his. You do. I, you know, sometimes <laughs> they do the split down the middle. No, I feel you. Yeah. I feel yes, that. Jalen Camp, wide receiver at Georgia Tech. You see that big smile on his face, Rob? That's because yeah. they're throwing the football now. He's <laughs> he's ready to go, ready yes, to eat. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, Jalen, thanks for joining us today here on the rundown, man. We really appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thank y'all for having me. Jalen Camp, the wide receiver for Georgia Tech who has a completely different job this year, playing the same position, but a completely different job. So 
I'll tell you what, why don't we pivot now? We'll head right into his head coach. The brand-new coach at Georgia Tech replacing Paul Johnson, who did a lot of great things at Georgia Tech. But uh, Jeff Collins brought in to basically revive the Yellow Jackets program and bring them away from the the option offense that Paul Johnson put in there. Here's our interview with Coach Jeff Collins. Hey, welcome to the Atlantic Coast Conference, Coach. Appreciate it. Yeah, I heard I heard y'all was walking in. You know, so where's the breakout room? You know, getting your, getting your uh, uh, your feet under you here in the sure. league. But man, we've talked to both of your players that you brought uh, here today, and I will tell you what, outstanding young man. Right. And, and I just tweeted, you won't find a better guy than uh, Jalen Camp. What a he what a guy! Awesome. Have you seen his before and after pictures on the internet yet? No. <laughs> he looks like he's photoshopped. He's one of the hardest working players in the program. Does an unbelievable job. And his just development, he's a 220-pound receiver, and yeah. he's all muscle and a, a great human being that I'm blessed to coach. Well, so, I'm sorry. No, I, I, go ahead, I seen you as you were walking up to us. Uh, you, you had a couple of words there with uh, with Miles Dorn from North Carolina. Are you talking about his suit? Yeah. We were talking to him about yeah. that, about being yeah, I, so well-dressed. Yeah, I came into the, into the event today trying to at least finish in the top three of best-dressed here. Um, but I think I, I, I gave think, him the award. Yeah, I think he I think he got it. He looks sharp. Well, Coach Babers had it uh, coming. Yeah, Babers. Yeah, Babers shoes. His shoe game strong. Let me see what you got there. Oh, uh, well, OK. OK. Yeah. OK, Coach. <laughs> I like what you got. <laughs> well, like Coach, got. Some, some questions about about your team for the upcoming season. Can, can we talk a little bit about recruiting? And, you know, when you your first it seems like your first recruiting class when you're a new coach, you kind of start almost with your feet in the mud a little bit because you're automatically kind of behind everybody else. But tell us a little bit about the recruiting trail and how uh, difficult it is at the beginning. Uh, so I, it, it, it's exciting. Uh, so, you know, there were already a lot of commits in place that the right. previous scheme and the previous coaching staff uh, had and we inherited. And, uh, you know, we wanted to be true to those commitments because uh, they made a commitment to Georgia Tech, right. and so, you know, for the most part, those commitments uh, held true, um, but in the nine days that I was there as the head coach uh, before the early signing period, uh, we flipped five guys that were committed elsewhere, and they signed with us in that early signing period, uh, so really good players, and a couple of them were mid-year guys, actually four of them were mid-year guys, so they're already on campus on the on the roster during spring, um, and then we went out in the in January, um, and signed the Gatorade Player of the Year in the state of Georgia, uh, first team USA Today All American, Jemias Griffin. And I think that kind of solidified that, hey, the Georgia Tech, uh, what they're doing there is special. And, uh, you know, some other guys need to get on board. And then we've got three grad transfers uh, that are elite players, um, or transfers, not grad transfers, that, to come in uh, in the offseason as well. But something else that you have to factor into it, too, is. The academic institution that it is at Georgia Tech, I mean, yeah. you have to have some guys that, uh, and, and not taking away from the other schools or being sure. negative, but, I mean, you've got to have some SAT scores to hang at Georgia Tech, right? Yeah, and, it, and it's really the, you know, our graduation rate is one of the best in the country. Um, it's one of the top four public schools in Power Five. Um, so it's a great education, but um, there's been great players that have come through here. Uh, some of the greatest players that I've ever coached in my career uh, also excel academically is really what you, how, how you do anything is how you do everything. And if you take academics at a high level, you're probably going to take your workouts at a high level. You're probably going to play at a high level. So we embrace uh, the academic institution that we're at. 
We embrace being in the city of Atlanta. Um, so all of those things we see as positive moving forward in recruiting. Speaking of at a higher level, um, do you think that we're getting to a point now where you're going to have to schedule 10 Power 5 teams throughout the season, where before you could might be able to get away with scheduling a little bit here or there, but do you think you're going to get to a point at Georgia Tech, if you have anything to do with the scheduling, where you have 10 Power 5 teams you're going to have to schedule? Well, I think we already I think we already pretty much have that. Right. Um, so just looking at the schedule for the next five years, I mean, it's loaded with great teams. Uh, Notre Dame's on the schedule. Clemson's on the schedule every year. Uh, we finished the season with a little bit of clean, old-fashioned hate. Uh, with right. the University of Georgia. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there there's great teams that, that we're going to play, and then obviously uh, playing on our league and the two crossover games every year are going to be challenging. And uh, so we embrace that, and, you know, we're going to recruit and develop um, and prepare and play at a, at a high level that we need to be to compete. You know, a lot of times, Coach, uh, teams would schedule somebody like the Citadel when Coach Johnson was there just to play against that that triple option attack. And you know, when we were talking with David Curry earlier, he said one of the things that he really appreciates about the change is that now he's practicing against what he sees every week, which he thinks is going to really help that defense. I mean, I think there are some people naturally, new coach they in town, they think steps back. But I think maybe from the preparation standpoint, defensively, they're going to be a better ball club. And there's a lot of talent there. And then two. I think what you're doing offensively, uh, you could probably draw a 15 mile sure. radius circle or a diameter, or whatever. I'm not a math guy right. around Atlanta and, and uh, bringing the players that you yeah, really so want. The, need. So the thing for us is we're trying to get our players ready for life after college, and for a lot of them, that next step is going to be to play in the NFL. Well, if you don't go against that kind of scheme every single day, you're hurting your development. Well, we're trying to put our guys in a system that every single day they're going against an NFL-based defense, they're going against an NFL-based offense. Fundamentals, techniques, the schemes, the terminology are going to be conducive to them playing at the next level and for them to get in a NFL camp and have success once they get there. And that is the forefront of my mind every single day and every decision we make to develop our guys. Talking with Jeff Collins, head coach of the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets and in the Coastal Division, Coach. Feels wide open from my perspective sure. right now. You got to like where you sit coming in first year in the league. Right. Yeah, excited. I've been for seven months just worried about our team, uh, building the culture, getting the brand out there, and uh, working every single day to get our guys understanding uh, what we're doing in our culture and in our processes. Coach, appreciate your time. Absolutely. I know you got a lot going on. And we look forward to many years chatting with you yep. here at the uh, ACC I appreciate it. And, uh, Definitely good luck to you guys. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Coach. How about it, man? I'll tell you what. Is that, it's scary when you get a guy with the right attitude at the right program. Uh, and that, that's nothing against Coach Paul Johnson, but right. Jeff Collins is going to have a lot of success. Coach Jeff Collins joining Lawton Swan from Clemson Sports Talk and myself to break down Georgia Tech. The opening uh, game for Clemson this season. Also, the opening game for the ACC Network. The first football game will be Clemson and Georgia Tech. Some things I took away from both of those interviews is that obviously change is coming at Georgia Tech. It's going to be completely different than what we've seen before. Uh, the offense should be more traditional. The defense will probably be better because they're going to get to scheme against a more traditional offense. Lots of little things at Georgia Tech that are changing. And Coach Collins there, man, hardcore ready to go. He likes the idea of playing the 10 Power 5 teams, which there are teams that are not with that. 
I don't know what Alabama's going to do if they can't schedule more FCS teams and make their schedule any more disgusting. I really don't. And several other teams, too. The Kansas States of the world, you know who you are. But Jeff Collins is big on that. He wants to schedule a tougher schedule. And you know what? It gives you an opportunity. You have a better opportunity to win more games. More games that mean more. I think that's the most important thing ever. And you know what? We have the whole theory of a lot of people just aren't going to games. And yeah, that happens. And think about it. If it weren't for... If it's not a really a conference game or a high-end game, I mean, attendance dips off for both South Carolina and Clemson. It's a mess. I use that term, but it's the truth. All right. Also this afternoon on the rundown, I've got my top five running backs for the 2019 season. Tell you who those are. One AP voter has already released his top five. We'll tell you what, uh, what he put out there. And a couple of coaches weigh in on the chance that Dabo Sweeney leaves Clemson for Alabama. I'll tell you what these two coaches said, and then we'll talk about what would make Dabo Sweeney want to leave Clemson. We'll get into that this afternoon as well. Also, where's Connecticut going? We got uh, the, the rundown on where they're going to be as far as a football school goes. So we'll have that for you in a little bit here on the rundown. Uh, thanks to the folks that have been downloading the podcast. We appreciate that. You can listen to the podcast whenever you want. If you're taking this last weekend to go to the beach, which, hey, that's not a bad idea. Take that last weekend, go to the beach right before football season starts. Makes a lot of sense. You can um, download the podcast, listen whenever you want. Find it, iTunes, Spreaker, however you get your podcast. You can uh, listen to the rundown whenever you want. Also, follow me on Twitter. I'm at Rob Sounds Good. Good stuff there. The blog page is FoxSportsRadio1400.com. All kinds of nifty stuff up there. Yesterday, I did a um, an expanded edition on the national championship game from last season. Go and check that out. All up on the, uh, the blog page, FoxSportsRadio1400.com. More of the rundown in just a moment. Welcome back to The Rundown. I'm Rob Sanders here on Fox Sports Radio 1400. Happy Friday to you. Time to get it moving here. Appreciate uh, the interviews we had earlier with Jalen Camp and Jeff Collins from Georgia Tech. But now we're going to talk about Coach Dabo Sweeney for a minute. Two college football great coaches in uh, Miami's head coach, uh, the former Miami head coach, Mark Richt, and... Longtime Florida State head coach Bobby Bowden, they think that Dabo Sweeney is going to stay at Clemson. It seems like we get this all the time. And Alabama fans are the absolute worst with this because they want to throw rocks at Dabo Sweeney for what Dabo Sweeney did to the program um, with Clemson's big thrashing of them by 28 points in the national championship game. And they get mad about the pick play with uh, – Sean Watson from a couple of years ago, because in their mind, and, and Alabama fans are great, but in their mind, those are national titles that are theirs, and it doesn't really matter. They, Yes, that scoreboard doesn't mean anything. Those are national championships that we're just going to acknowledge at the University of Alabama. 
That's kind of the way the Alabama fan base thinks. But then the next thing out of their mouth after they're throwing rocks at Coach Sweeney is, well, once Nick Saban leaves, they're just going to call Dabo Sweeney. He's going to leave Clemson just like that, and he's going to come home. That's what you get. Oh, he's coming right home. As soon as, as soon as Nick Saban says, you know what, I'm tired of coaching Alabama and making $8 million a year, yeah, I'm done, which I don't know how long that's going to be. He may coach until he's 90. You never know with Nick Saban. The guy had hip replacement and was back in studio, in, or I say back in studio, back in the office in like, what, three days, five days, however long it was. That's how long this guy was out. And he's coming back like Major League quick. So the thought of Nick Saban going anywhere, to me, is uh, it's just not going to happen for a while. But if you listen to Alabama fans, they'll tell you, well, Dabo's just over there, so he has a job until Nick Saban leaves, and then he's coming home. You know, Dabo's from here, right? You know, Dabo played here, right? That's They'll, they'll tell you that. And it's actually kind of comical. It's comical that they think that way. I mean, because Alabama fans have this elitist attitude, and you can have that attitude when you're a great program like they are. But in their mind, Dabo Sweeney's just going to leave as soon as Nick Saban goes. But two legendary coaches have said, yeah, no, that's not happening. Bobby Bowden says, and of course Bobby Bowden's a Hall of Fame coach, he tells the state, He's got that thing going pretty good, and it'll always be his. It'll be his. Not go to Alabama and you're second to Saban or second to Coach Bryant. That's something that Dabo has to decide. It's natural, him being an Alabama graduate, being raised in Alabama, for that kind of talk to come up. It's strictly conversation. So Coach Coach Bowden there with some words of wisdom there. And then Coach Rick says, why would you leave Clemson the way things are going right now? I'd be shocked to see Dabo Sweeney anywhere other than Clemson for the rest of his career, to be honest with you. So two guys who have coached and for probably forgotten a lot about foot, more football than I'll ever learn have said point blank they think Dabo Sweeney is going to stay. I'm kind of in that camp too because let's be honest, who wants to play second fiddle? Who wants to be the guy that carries on the legacy instead of builds it and keeps it. I mean, it's just, I understand, hey, you want to go home? I kind of get that. But I think it comes back down to that. He's built a legacy at Clemson. If he goes to Alabama, he's just trying to keep Paul Bear Bryant's legacy going. And I think that's the big difference. But what could make Coach Dabo Sweeney, leave Clemson. Now, Clemson fans, they don't want to hear about that. Oh, well, he's just going to stay. Step out of the box for a second. Take off your Clemson goggles. What do you think could make Coach Sweeney leave Clemson? I thought about it a little bit, and a couple of things came to mind. One... I don't think it's going to be money because he's making pretty much online with what Saban's making, and I'm sure that Ipte will figure out how to pay him. The boosters, whatever, will figure out how to pay Dabo Sweeney. So I don't think it's going to be money. 
I do think that if an NFL job came calling, Coach Sweeney might look at that. Why? Because let's be honest, it's not, it's not easy doing what he does at Clemson. But there has to be an itch in there somewhere saying, you know what? I haven't tried the NFL. I've had all this success, you know, motivating young men and getting them to do what I need them to do to win. Why wouldn't I try the NFL? It's a thought. What are your thoughts? 803-978-1832, 803-978-1832. What could make Coach Dabo Sweeney leave Clemson? I'm going to eliminate a couple of things. One is money. I don't think the money matters. And I don't think that job prestige really matters, too, because people kind of look at Clemson as the new Alabama, basically. I mean, they're playing in the college football playoff every year. They've only missed it one time since its inception. What else could make Coach Sweeney go? Maybe a scandal of some sort? Maybe Alabama gets into a scandal of their own and he wants to go and try to rebuild the program there? I don't know. I'm throwing out ideas here. But the two things I think of that I I don't think will be an issue, in my opinion, are money. Because I think that Clemson will come up with the money to pay him. And I, I don't think that the idea of going home means that much. But then again, I'm not inside Coach Sweeney's head. All right, your thoughts, 803-978-1832, 803-978-1832. Sweeney's new contract has a clause, making it more expensive for Alabama to poach him from Clemson. Yeah, but the reality is, is that Alabama doesn't care. They are a, the epitome of a one-sport school. All they care about is, is uh, well, whatever this guy needs, that's what we're going to go have to get. So I don't think that that matters at all. But do you think Coach Sweeney would leave for an NFL job? I think it would have to be the right NFL job, to be honest with you. 803-978-1832, 803-978-1832. I don't see Coach Sweeney going, and I don't see him doing well at, like, let's say, the Giants. I I think he'd do good with, like, the Chiefs. The Panthers. I don't know if he would do well in in like a New York environment. That's not saying anything against Coach Sweeney. It's just that it's a tough road to be a coach up there. So we'll take calls on that this afternoon. What could make Coach Sweeney leave Clemson? Two legendary coaches have said, yeah, you know what? Nah, he shouldn't do that. Why in the world would he do that? Is what uh, Coach Mark Rick said. So we'll take calls on that this afternoon. But don't forget the list coming up after this next break. The list today is my top five running backs. Did the top five quarterbacks yesterday. Top five running backs heading into next season. We'll have that on the list here for you in just a moment here on the rundown. Of course, you can catch us here until four. Then Lawton Swan will take over from there. More of the rundown in just a moment. Welcome back to the rundown. Carrie joins us at 803-978-1832. Carrie, as Carrie has left the program, but Carrie was an Alabama fan and wanted to talk with us a little bit about uh, 
what we were talking about earlier with what could make Dabo Sweeney leave Clemson. I was hoping that Kerry would hang around for that. But Kerry is, he is, um, he left the program here. We are going to get into our list now. The list, by the way, is the top five running backs in college football. Strap in. It's time for the list. And the list this afternoon, as I said, top five running backs in college football. This was harder than it looked because there are running backs that I really like a lot. And then I look at stats and I'm like, oh, man, that's kind of crazy. All right. So uh, this is just tough. But, hey, here we go. With the top five running backs. Number five. Number five for me. I'm going to go to Vanderbilt. Wait, what, Rob? You're going to Vanderbilt? Yeah, I'm going to go to Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt has a young man named Keyshawn Vaughn. He's going to be, he's a senior this season. Down the stretch last season for Vanderbilt, caught fire, rushed for uh, 749 yards in Vanderbilt's last five games. So he completely got after it, going for 243 yards in a bowl game loss to Baylor. I think that's going to carry over. This guy went to Illinois. I guess he got tired of Lovey Smith. Uh, I think he's going to carry the Commodores this season. And Vanderbilt's over and under numbers at four and a half. He may make it a little bit better than that. Look for Keyshawn Vaughn to have a good season there for the Commodores. Number four. Number four for me is Cam Akers from Florida State. You know, I remember like, what, a season, two seasons ago, he was doing the tomahawk chop coming into ACC kickoff. Basically struggled last year. But I think he bounces back this year, and I think that he's going to have a, have a little more time in that Willie Taggart offense, and he's going to put up bigger numbers for Florida State because I think they're going to be a ground more ground-oriented team because, you know, their quarterback, Blackman, he really doesn't pass the eye test with me. Not that I'm like the biggest evaluator of talent. But when I see him, I just don't see a very smooth passer. But I think that the offense is going to lean on Akers, and he is going to have an opportunity to shine for the Seminoles. Number three. Number three on the list. This one uh, I, I was tough for me, too. But I go with A.J. Dillon from Boston College. Injury slowed him down last season, but he ended up having more uh, yards than Travis Etienne in in the ACC last year. He's in line for probably 1,500 yards and double-digit touchdowns this season, and he plays behind a line that may be inexperienced, but they always turn out a good line at Boston College. So look for A.J. Dillon at number three. Number two. Number two is Travis Etienne. I think Travis Etienne is a dark horse guy for the Heisman. He had an FBS best 24 rushing touchdowns on 8.13 yards per carry last season for Clemson. Wrap your head around that for a second. If it's first and 10, you give the ball to Etienne, then it's second and two. That's that's a, an amazing stat. The average, I mean, and I know that some of it's different, but the yardage numbers, that's kind of what it comes out to. The young man from Clemson is dynamite in the backfield. And, of course, he's got 
so many all ACC players around him, in addition to the other Heisman candidate in the backfield with him, which is, of course, Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, look for ETN to have a very special season. Number one for me is Jonathan Taylor, the junior running back from Wisconsin. He's cracked 100 yards in all but five of his 27 career games, run for 4,171 yards across his first two seasons. He's the leading rusher in uh, FB. He's on pace to become the leading rusher in FBS history. And the Badgers are looking to break in a starting quarterback. So look for him to get a lot of carries. And with that, He's going to pile up a lot of yards, and I think uh, he'll have another special season. But I think right now, just overall, and with the impact that he's going to have on a game, he edges out Travis Etienne as my number one running back heading into the college football season. So there you go. There's my list. Some guys that just barely missed the cut. Enzo Benjamin at Arizona State. He's um wasn't really used much last season, but there's a lot of talk about his NFL draft potential. People like him a lot. Some people are talking about he may get close to 2,000 yards this season. We'll see how that goes. That's a lofty, lofty number there for the Arizona State junior. Also, you got Kennedy Brooks from Oklahoma. I think a lot of that comes down to how effective Jalen Hurts is, but we'll see how he does. He's right there in the mix. Uh, number nine is uh, J.K. Dobbins from Ohio State. You know, Ohio State plays in the Big Ten. It's kind of hard for me to really take them seriously, but I did uh, give give credit to uh, the young man from Wisconsin. But we'll see what Ohio State does. Uh, excuse me. Why am I saying Ohio State? Yeah. But we'll see what he does at Ohio State with the new offensive coordinator that they have there. And then C.J. Verdell from Oregon, the sophomore, ended his freshman year as the only player in the FBS with 1,000 yards on the ground and another 300 yards as a receiver. So he is definitely like the combo back out of the backfield. And just he's like Justin Herbert's best friend, basically. So I think he'll have a good season, too, but not quite good enough to make it into the list as far as the top five. So there you go, my five running backs. Just to recap, I've got Keyshawn Vaughn from Vanderbilt, Cam Akers from Florida State, and then number three is A.J. Dillon from Boston College. Travis Etienne is number two, and then number one is Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin. Who did I leave out? I know Georgia fans are going to be upset with me because I didn't put DeAndre Swift in the mix. Ah, He should have been close. But I don't know who I would take out. People would say take out Cam Akers. I just think Cam Akers is just solid across the board. Across the board. And I think he's going to have more of an opportunity in that Willie Taggart offense. Put it like this. If Cam Akers doesn't have a good season, look for Florida State to go 4-8. and eight. That could happen. I, mean, I think he's the most important thing on their offense right now. I think if DeAndre Swift gets injured, Georgia still is going to win games. They're still going to win games. As far as overall value to the team, I think that Cam Akers will have a bigger effect on Florida State's team than DeAndre Swift will have on Georgia's team. 
Same thing goes for A.J. Dillon. If A.J. Dillon has another injury-plagued season, I talked about Boston College may win seven or eight games. Put that back down in the five range. If he go, he gets hurt or is just ineffective, you know, Boston College could go four and eight. That's how much they're leaning on these young men to um, put up good numbers this season. All right, so we're going to take a break. When we come back, more of the rundown. One young, one young writer has already put out his AP top five. We'll tell you who that is. We'll also tell you where UConn's going to play football. They're returning to the Big East, but we'll tell you where they're going to play. All that and a lot more this afternoon on the rundown. Of course, here on Fox Sports Radio 1400. Around the world on the iHeartRadio app. I'm on Twitter, at Rob Sounds Good. Lawton Swan is next with Clemson Sports Talk as uh, he takes you home from 4 to 6. More of the rundown in just a moment. Of course, Tom Jones on a Friday. Swanee plays beach music, which is good. I'm not saying I don't listen to the beach music, but I'll take some Tom Jones. Final segment here of the rundown for the week. This just down from the AP. Clemson Athletic Director Dan Radakovich has a statement on the Osterine. Yes, Clemson fans are tired of hearing about the Osterine. And here's the crazy thing about that. When you look at it from, if you can look at it from anything other than the the Gamecock fan perspective, my buddy Mike Dabreski is one of the biggest Gamecock fans I know. And in his mind, and in a lot of Gamecock fans' minds, they think that Coach Dabo Sweeney basically went around to dorm rooms every night and gave every Clemson football player an Osterine cookie and told them, now you eat your Osterine just like you would take your Ovaltine and then he gave them Osterine shots at the half. That's how some Gamecock fans see this stuff. And it, it's kind of funny. And I understand the rivalry end of it. I get that. And what Coach Sweeney said at the Cotton Bowl was stupid. I get that too. Osterine's not in everything. It is a cross-contaminant, though, that can be found in supplements. That's why you see so many people fail a test for Osterine and they had no clue that it was in their body. But Coach, uh, but uh, Dan Radakovich came out today with a statement from the AP. In the seven months since the ban, Clemson has double and triple checked how it handles everything from talc or talk in the weight room to protein shakes it provides to ensure the wrong things won't cost players time on the field. We've always looked at a really robust and fundamentally sound drug testing program, Radakovich said. We've always looked at how we get our supplements into our students' hands. Radakovich sees last year's failed test as a rare breakdown and not a signal that the department's process needed an overhaul. Quote, this was such an outlier, I don't know. If there were any lessons the school could take out of it that weren't already in place, he said. I don't think people know how the Osterine got into anything. I have seen where the UFC is overturning some suspensions of people that have taken the uh, that have tested positive for Osterine. And and by the way, just to clear up something too, 
for the Gamecock fans listening to the show today, Osterine is not a steroid. So when you, especially when you post stuff on Twitter, because I get that a good bit, when you post on Twitter that Clemson is on steroids, it's not true. Osterine is not a steroid. But anyway, it seems like according to Radakovich, They've went back and triple-checked everything to make sure that there's no possible way for them to get Osterine in their system from supplements that they got at Clemson. Now, that doesn't mean that these guys couldn't be working out off-campus and quite possibly take a protein shake or something and have the Osterine show up in in their drug test. That could happen, too. But you never really know with this world of supplements because there's so much stuff out there that people just don't know. They just truly don't know. It's like a billion-dollar industry. It's insane. All right, so one AP voter released his preseason uh, top five. I'll give you that. This is from This is from Garland Gillian. He says that He's got Clemson at one, Alabama at two, Georgia at three, Oklahoma at four, LSU at five. I don't really have a problem with that. That's pretty close. So there's your top five, according to Garland Gillian, who released his AP ballot. Uh, Final thing today, UConn. After the Big East ceased football operations in 2013, UConn went into the the American Athletic Conference, but the schools returning to the Big East, which doesn't have football, the UConn football won't be sticking around. According to Brett McMurphy from Stadium Sports, UConn will become independent upon leaving the American next year. They're paying a $17 million exit fee to leave the American and join the Big East in its other sports. So basically what they're saying there is basketball is more important than football at UConn. So much so that they're going to pay $17 million to be an independent so they can get back into the Big East and not have to play in the American. So there you go. Huskies have not had a winning season in the American since its inception. They had one bowl appearance in 2015, losing the St. Petersburg Bowl to Marshall to finish 6-7. and seven. UConn football saw significantly more success as a member of the Big East Football Conference. They posted four straight winning seasons and a bowl appearance under Randy Etzel from 2010 to 2000 and, uh, 2007 to 2010. Gamecock fans don't want to hear anything about that. That Birmingham Bowl was a disaster. They ran out of pizza at the Papa John's Bowl. How the hell does that happen? I don't know. So this might be good for them, though, because if they go independent, they get eh, they make it a little bit easier of a schedule. They can pick out other teams and then hopefully be in the mix when it comes time for bowl season. All right, so there, there, that's where they're going. They're not going anywhere. We're just gonna we're gonna be independent of everyone. I wonder how long that will last. They're paying $17 million to be an independent. Interesting. They are 4-20 and over the past two years under Randy Etzel and 18-55 and overall since the AAC formed. 
11 and 37 in the league. I'm surprised that surprised the Americans not like, hey, just just get out. It's not like you're helping us. No, we're we're just gonna waive that 17 million dollar fee. You just get out. We we don't want you back in the conference. 11 wins. Wow, that is terrible. I didn't realize UConn football had fallen off so far. All right, be sure to check out the podcast for the show. It'll be about 5 o'clock today. Also, you can download it whenever you want, by the way. That's kind of cool. Follow me on Twitter. I'm at Rob Sounds Good. The blog page today will have some cool stuff up on it as well. Be sure to check that out. I try to post stuff during the weekend when I find some nifty stuff. This weekend is going to be kind of like a, it's like the the calm before the storm this weekend with all the football that I'll be consuming starting next week. I think next Thursday is the first real day of we'll be seeing some kind of football until whenever the XFL championship is. So there, there you go with that. Don't forget Lawton Swan of Clemson Sports Talk is next. I'm sure he'll have some uh, info on uh, what the Clemson athletic director said about the Osterine testing. So there you go with that. I don't know what else you could say. Maybe Swanee will have something new. He'll be in with you from 4 to 6. All right, the rundown returns on Monday. Until then, the show is a wrap.